Well, good morning. Glad you could join us. And I hope you've got your Bible, as always, because we're going to jump back into the Gospel of Mark today. And so I'll invite you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 3 as we continue to look at the life of Christ. And um, um, here we go. Let's just dive in. Chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Well, now we see this account not only here in the Gospel of Mark, but we also see it in Matthew and also in Luke. And uh, to round out the picture, as Jesus is in the synagogue area there, um, the Pharisees have followed him there, and they're looking for reasons and ways uh, to accuse him. And so the man with the withered hand is there. And in Matthew's Gospel, I think it was in Matthew's Gospel or in Luke's, but it says that he he knew their thoughts, and so he asks them the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, to give life or to kill? And, um, and so there is this situation where there's an opportunity for Jesus to do something, uh, not only that demonstrates his authority and power over sickness and all of this, but something that is just simply good. And the Pharisees, rather than seeing it as something that simple, as just uh, God's work in someone's life in a good way, they see it as an opportunity to un- ultimately accuse Jesus and uh, in their effort to undermine him. And so Jesus takes the opportunity there and he sort of turns it back on them. Now, what's interesting in this passage is that there is uh, uh, you know, this underlying idea that healing on the Sabbath from the Pharisees' perspective is considered violating the Sabbath because uh, of their traditions revolving around the Sabbath. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, but it kind of continues today in this, uh, uh, in this passage as well. The Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, those who were responsible as custodians of the law, um, had built upon the law many additional rules and regulations uh, that were put in place to, um, to explain what the law meant and also to set up barriers so that the law would not be violated. All that said, um, well, I guess to finish that thought, those rules and regulations ultimately ended up becoming considered by the Pharisees as being as weighty as the law, if not, if not literally, at least in application. Uh, if somebody violated one of the rules that the Pharisees had set up about the law, without even necessarily violating the law, but they violated one of these rules, um, the Pharisees considered it akin to breaking the law in many cases. And so, as we see elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus kind of uh, rebukes them for this. Uh, And so, here we are in a situation where the Pharisees are looking for a chance to accuse him, and they see in this opportunity, uh, in this act, that Jesus likely, they're assuming he's going to bring healing on the Sabbath to somebody, They're seeing it as a way to accuse him for violating their rules. Uh, Now, Jesus, as we saw in the last passage in chapter 2, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who instituted it as God. And he said the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath, uh, or not man for the Sabbath. And so here's another example of how he's going to bear this out in life. So one of the ironies about this passage 
and uh, the previous one and this one really, is that in Jewish rabbinic thinking in the Mishnah, uh, ultimately when the Talmud is, uh, compiles all of these oral uh, teachings and such, um, there is a, 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 uh, a term, pikuach nefesh, I'm sure I butchered that, but pikuach nefesh, which basically means uh, save a life. This is a phrase that, uh, that, that exists in rabbinic thinking that basically is rooted in the Old Testament passages like in Leviticus where it talks about living, uh, how the law of God gives life and living by the law of God, God brings life through this. Um, but the thinking in the rabbinic uh, teaching in this was that there were times uh, where if a life was at stake, you would have the right to violate the law in that instance. Uh, now, I'm not going to really go into the merits or, or, or non-merits of that kind of thinking, but I'm just going to point to the fact that there's a really tremendous irony in this moment. Because the, rabbin, the, the rabbis there, uh, the thinkers, the, the teachers of the law in that, and the Pharisees here, um, were familiar with this idea and would have practiced it themselves. And so Jesus, essentially, in his question to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? He is essentially asking them that question that would be familiar to them as teachers. And they're silent. In a way, he's caught them. He's tripped them up a little bit. <clears throat> now, of course, this would have been true in the previous passage as well. And so in these two instances, Jesus now is doing something that, strictly speaking, would not have really violated their own approach if they had the capacity to bring healing on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, even in, uh, in Matthew's gospel, uh, Jesus asks them another question. He says, which one of you, if your donkey fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, would you not go and get it out? You know, is it, is it, of course it's always okay to do good on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, if you remember, was a day of physical rest, a day to not do work, to earn your living, or to go out there and plow the fields and such. But there was no prohibition about doing good on the Sabbath. And so Jesus, rather than allowing them to turn this into a work, he says, he essentially tells them what, what I'm doing here is something that is no violation of the Sabbath because it is ultimately expressing the heart of God in doing good for his creation. And so uh, interestingly in the passage, um, as he basically invites the man to come up with his withered hand, which means his hand was, uh, uh, you know, like you might imagine, it was withered, it was probably all tight and crunched up kind of a thing. It, uh, it, when referred to plant life, it speaks of being dried up. And so here is this hand that is unfunctional. It is, it's not usable because it's, 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 for whatever reason, whatever caused that, there it is. And so Jesus has the man come up. He questions the Pharisees about this. And in one of these um, not terribly typical examples, we see um, Mark explain uh, Jesus' emotional response to this. First off, he's angered at their hardness of heart, and he's grieved over it as well. And so this kind of hardness of heart, honestly, not too terribly unlike the, the deadness of this man's hand, their hearts were in basically the same condition. And it bothered Jesus. Why would it bother Jesus? Well, I, I don't mean to presume, but these were people who were responsible for teaching the law of God, for helping people to know God through his word, but yet they themselves were dead inside. And this grieved him and upset him. 
Uh, and, and, and there's something to that, I think. Uh, if that, in fact, is kind of what's at play in the heart and mind of Jesus in that moment, again, I, I don't mean to presume on that. Um, but in the circumstances, that seems like a reasonable thing. Um, how many of us, in the same way, uh, allow our faith in Jesus to become sort of rote, kind of just a set of rules, um, where our, our faith becomes more about the don'ts than the do's. They become much more about prohibitions than about doing what's good and right. And we walk sort of in this place of making sure we don't cross the line or we don't step on anything or we don't do anything wrong out of fear or some, some motivation like that, rather than living outwardly with the desire to simply do good and be like Jesus in the world around us, rather than being afraid of violating a rule uh, or the law in some way. It's one of the beautiful things about grace is that we have been forgiven for every violation of the law that we've ever committed, past, present, and future. And there is grace to cover us when we stumble and fall now. Not that we should be reckless in our, our, our lives, but at the same time, we should be fearless in our lives, living out for Jesus. We should be students of the word to know what really does please God, but we shouldn't be afraid to go out there and live our Christian lives out loud and to be more about what we're for in our Christian faith than what we're against. And so there is, uh, there is this grief that Jesus is, and, and, and mixed with anger toward the Pharisees in that um, because of their hardness of heart in this. They're failing to see that God is at work here because their rules are in their minds being violated. Uh, and we would be careful to not become like that ourselves. But Jesus takes the opportunity there and rather than walk away from it, he heals the man's hand right there on the Sabbath, right in front of his detractors, right in front of those who are seeking to undermine him. He does <clears throat> this beautiful work and restores this man and makes him whole. He brings life essentially back to this man as, as his hand begins to like loosen up and he can move his fingers again and suddenly you can imagine how happy he must be, how overjoyed he is at having his hands back together whole and he can, and he can go on with his life unhindered by this. Um, and uh, the response from the man is not uh, expressed here, but we can imagine what that might be. The response to the Pharisees, on the other hand, is expressed here when it says that they went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now, we don't know for sure who the Herodians are. There's a couple of different theories on this, but uh, just a couple of them revolve around the idea that this may have been a political uh, group of people, a faction that were still loyal to Herod the Great and were sort of just devotees of his even in this day uh, afterward. Uh, um, and, and, uh, or another theory is that these were Jews actually who were sympathetic to the Herods and, and wanted to you know, basically stay ingratiated to him. And so they you know, were particularly obedient to his rules and laws and such. We don't really know exactly for sure, but those are a couple of, of the dominant theories. But in either of case, whatever the case is, that um, it would have been an odd thing for the Pharisees, who were strict observers of Jewish uh, tradition, law, and history, to ever partner with groups like that. Uh, however, Jesus uh, had become so persona non grata to them that they were really actually willing to partner with people that under no other circumstance would they likely have partnered. There's an old expression, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And we're seeing this at play here in the passage. Uh, where the Pharisees now, in an effort to destroy him, are even willing to build bridges with people they would never have associated with otherwise. Uh, so strong was their hatred for him. Well, 
Um, this will continue throughout the ministry of Jesus as he continues to teach and bring clarity to the to to the people's understanding of God's will uh, uh, as he uh, as he teaches the Pharisees will hate him for this as he does miracles and stuff and demonstrates his power his authority over the elements and over creation in all of these different ways uh, they will hate him for this as 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 uh, as he speaks of of the Pharisees and, uh, and their and their traditions and laws and says you've heard it said this but I say to you uh, sometimes he'll say this in, in response to their rules and regulations. Other times he'll say this to clarify ultimately what was at the heart of the law in the Old Testament. They'll hate him for this. And ultimately they will seek every opportunity to destroy him. But he will press on and continue in his ministry, leading people to himself to believe in him and ultimately become his disciples. And my hope and prayer is that as we continue to go through the gospel and look at the life of Christ, that you and I would continue to grow as his disciples as well. And so to that end, let me pray. And, uh, and I'll encourage you to continue joining us as we go through the gospel and as we talk about the various other things that we do. Thanks again for joining us. Let me pray us out. Father, we're thankful and so grateful for your word. And we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from it. We pray that uh, even in a brief passage like this, and a somewhat familiar passage probably to many, that Father would still speak to us and give us tremendous insight into your nature and your character as we see it expressed through the person of your Son. Uh, Lord, we just want to know him and we want to understand him. And most of all, we want to follow him. And so help us to do that. Help our own hearts not to be hard like the Pharisees. Help us uh, rather instead to, to, to seek to be like Jesus, to, to reach out and to literally touch the lives of others in his name, to be involved in sharing the truth of God with love and compassion, to, uh, to point out error that's destructive in the lives of others and not be uh, afraid of the consequences of doing that, but rather to be about your business and not shirking away from your business. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ and in the grace that he affords us. And we thank you for the finished work of the cross that ultimately sets us free from our sin and the penalty from it and also sets us free to now go and make disciples of the nations. And so thank you, Father, for these opportunities. Help us to walk in them that you might be glorified. We praise you and bless you and ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.